This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays Podcast is back once again. My name is Brian Robb, joined today by the one and only Ryan Berndoni. Make sure you're following him at DangerCart on Twitter. Um, and Ryan, we are back together again to, wouldn't you guess, talk about Ime Adoka, who looks to be headed to the Brooklyn Nets, nothing official yet, but it seems to be, you know, the Nets are going through a very diligent search here. And after the hour that became public on Twitter <laughs> this afternoon, they, uh, Ime is the guy and it looks like the Celtics are not going to be demanding any compensation for him to, to walk away out of his contract and pretty much end what was essentially a formality here. Ime Adoka, I think, was not going to be back with the Celtics, even when his suspension was gone and now it's just a matter of the fact that the Celtics are letting him walk uh down the road to New York uh what six games in the season here yeah to the outrageous shit show down in Brooklyn yeah, right. <laughs> uh they have I mean the Celtics have to be relieved I think probably more than anything is, is I would say the right word for the, for what I assume is the feeling inside that building right now uh when they suspended him and we talked about it shortly after like there, it seemed very unlikely that he was ever going to coach the team again. It seemed that what it basically was is that they were suspending him because they wanted to not have to pay out his contract probably for whatever, if you want to say that moral reasons or just financial reasons, whatever it might be. Uh, and the season was coming and they weren't ready to sort of fire him for cause. They didn't have everything sort of legally lined up. And so they suspended him. Uh, if this was, you know, you and I were talking before, I was saying like, if this was any other corporate job, it would be called administrative leave, right. And not suspended, but it would be the same thing. It would be, you know, you're not getting paid right now, or you're getting paid to reduce whatever it is. Um, maybe you'll come back, but everybody knows you're really not coming back. And this sort of, as the season started, everybody was able to move on and not really think about it. Like I haven't thought much about Ime Udoka and, you know, in the last couple of weeks, uh, but he was still there, sort of that little bit of a gray cloud lingering. We're going to have to figure that out. It's, at some point, you would assume that they would make some formal sort of formal parting of ways, or it would go an entire year. And then at the end of that year, they would have to make a decision and, and do something. And so to just have it removed sort of this seamlessly, go on to some other place, like, you know, your problem becomes someone else's, um, is... I, I think it's just sort of the easiest way out for all of this. And so the whole question of like demanding compensation and all that, like, come on. I mean, <laughs> the, what they got out of it is that they're out of it. They don't right. have to deal with it anymore and they don't have to worry about any of the PR, or any of the corporate stuff. They don't have to pay out him. I would assume his, the rest of his contract and all that. At least in our uh, three years, like yeah, yeah. So yeah, negotiating compensation for, a guy that you don't want back at the tough negotiation on a variety of <laughs> so. I mean, the Celtics pulled it off once before, but it, it was a coach of uh, a, you know, who had won a championship here yes. and going to a team. And for all that, the, you know, the Celtics put up a good facade about wanting to come back and uh, yeah, but doc rivers being allowed to, to leave uh, when you were going into a rebuild is very different than a coach with one year of experience um, who is under the cloud of whatever you want to classify the cloud that he's under uh, workplace sexual harassment. I, I don't know what you, what else to call it. Uh, that's just like, like I said, they, they're, I don't think that they're like celebrating because there's nothing about this that would be celebratory. The whole story no. is depressing inside, but I imagine there is a sense of relief to just be done with it. All right. I have quick takes on this. I want to get your take on, but first I have a trivia question for you. 
in my in the hour where it looked like you know the Celtics may or may not be looking for or maybe may not but wasn't clear if the Celtics were going to be asking for any kind of compensation here can you name the two other coaches in the last we'll say 20 20 years here that have fetched a draft pick for their services around the NBA other than Doc Rivers other than Doc Rivers there's been two others in the last 20 years one was recent right um, none none were I mean super it recent. was more recent than than Doc more recent than yeah Rivers. one was more recent than the Doc. last yes and one I, was in the last and, 10 years it was like 2014 range. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm terrible. He's, he's an active history. coach right now. He's an yeah, active coach. I am in the awful. Western Conference. Jason awful. Kidd. Jason Kidd from Brooklyn to Milwaukee. Oh, Brooklyn. Two, two second round picks. And then there's one other one you'll never guess. This was back 15 years ago. He coached yeah. a championship team in Florida. Stan Van Gundy. Second round pick and uh, part of a. I think a first round swap to go to Orlando uh, in 2007, even though he was before Jason Kidd. I never would have gotten Jason Kidd because in my mind, Jason Kidd, although I, I guess that was more of a coup. A, I think he, he was just not a good coach in my mind. Right. Well, he certainly <laughs> wasn't there, but now like, maybe he's an okay coach now. Uh, yeah. He's got his own issues. Um, yes. So that, uh, okay. But there you go. That, that, that's a true <laughs> question for this week. Um, all right. Quick thoughts here. One, I just made a list of here that um, I may be right, right on this stuff on mass life here in the next, few days but things to throw around number one the nets making this higher at this point clearly not giving a crap at all about pr and i guess that's you know par for the course for them given how things have gone for them in the last i don't know six to twelve months um franchises history exactly (laughs) but just um throwing caution to the wind here obviously with a situation being like listen we don't care how bad it was or the fact he got suspended. We just, you know, this is a dumpster fire and we need some help. I don't know. There was a, a recent American politician who taught us that if you have a scandal, the best thing to do is just add more scandals onto <laughs> it so that people get so overwhelmed with scandal that, that they stop talking about any specific one anymore. So maybe now they don't have to talk about uh, their star point guards, anti-Semitic tweets, and instead can talk about their, or, you know, talk about their coaches, sexual harassment, charges um and because there's two things nobody will be able to focus on either one and you can just toggle back and forth really quickly until everybody forgets about any of it and moves on with their lives which seems to be the strategy it's tough time to be a nets fan it's just like great. real real tough time to be a nets fan. at least um, they're two and five at least they're two you know listen all right well they're in progress right now against the bulls we'll see how that is. during jack jocks bonds uh one uh one game at the helm here um number two Ime Yudoka actually coaching this nets team um clearly we'll be bringing more of a defensive mindset into the fold uh will that matter given the personnel in this team i i tend to think no do you have is this is this going to make a measurable impact this season or, or are we looking at sean marks just kind of blowing things up to a different degree later this season yeah i mean this seems like a a, a fit that uh has a lot of i don't even know how to describe it right there, there's explosive potential here <laughs> Um, I get, I don't know, right? If you have a team, what's the, the theory on this? If you have a team that doesn't defend and has no sort of commitment to anything, <laughs> that seems like, do you want to bring in a hard-ass coach with a focus on defense and, and hope all that works? And like, that works, that can work. It doesn't always work, but that can work when your star players are 23 and 24 years old. When your star players are Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, like, 
Ime Odoka going out in every press conference after every loss and talking about how his team doesn't try hard, like that may not go over so well with the star players that they have, you know, that they have in Brooklyn. And it, it obviously did for, for the Celtics last year, but there's probably a shelf life for that sort of coaching. And then there's a question of if there's any shelf life for that sort of coaching when you have the players that they have. So he may bring defensive principles that work. Like, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. I think it's more the personality stuff that it just seems like there's a really big potential for him to clash, especially with the stars who have basically said that they feel like they are co-coaches and co-GMs of the team. And now they're going to have somebody coming in who's, you know, calling them soft every, every week. Uh, I don't know how that will go, but it's, it could go very, very poorly. Yeah. It's, I look forward to the first time he calls out Kyrie for defense. (laughs) <laughs> post game press conference to see to see how that goes over but um yeah the dynamics there with the personalities involved with like, i mean i mean we even thought about the ben simmons part of this too and how he's looked this year that's a whole other can of worms that we really don't need to get into right now but that's the dynamics there are just going to be absolutely fascinating to watch given the the main challenges at hand let's hear from our sponsor bet online football season's back and bet online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this year Find your latest odds, football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online, as it's your continued source for all sports wagering info, including live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Also, the fast and easy way to bet on your, all your favorite sports and events. Obviously, the NBA season being back, MLB playoffs, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to Bet Online to join and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code CONS50 to receive your rewards. Bet Online where the game starts let's not talk about the nets anymore yeah so that's this it that, that, those, those are my two those are my <laughs> yeah, two things no, that, those are my uh, two you I know take this average on so all right so now let's go this this goes to number three of of my takes on the email situation which is solely Celtics related joe mazula um does not have a cloud hanging over him at all anymore not that he was like you said this is probably something that the he and the the team wasn't really probably worried about in terms of email coming back but it's officially gone this is Joe Mazzulla's team, and he's got them off to a four and two start with an offense that looks better than pretty much any point last year, um, along with a defense that has off to a slow start. And we can debate whether that's concerning or not. But um, yeah, first uh, initial thoughts on the uh, the the Joe Mazzulla era, right? Yeah, the cloud of the Imedoka situation goes away and i assume that the interim tag will also go away yeah that's something to watch to see if they do that officially or not yeah i mean i kind of assume that 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 will they never uh, even had a release uh, by the way that he was the head coach they like they never no during that whole like obviously that happened that whole week and brad and wick had the press conference on friday and obviously joe mazula had you know talked on you know media day on monday with the rest of the players but there was never an official introduction uh, never official release, just the uh, Brad confirming that, yep, Joe's Joe's the guy right now. It's just and, like um, may got two texts at immediately yeah, right, every just, single game. Just, <laughs> just like a, oh yeah, by the by, yeah, this is happening. We're just gonna we're gonna throw this under the radar right now. But yeah, he's he's the head coach. And so he's I don't even know if they officially put an interim tag on him ever. So Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe that is what it is. <laughs> Who knows what his job title is? Right. Um uh, yeah, I mean but there's it has been an interesting start to the season. I don't think it's a particularly surprising start to the season. Um, we know that they're going to struggle defensively as they figure some things out and as they don't have Rob Williams and as 
Al Horford ages and and probably paces himself through the season. Uh, so I think there are some things in there that are sort of mildly concerning, but not that big of a deal. The offense has obviously been uh, very successful. Uh, it's it right. It's the early part of the season where every game feels huge, and I sort of play with that all the time on Twitter and things like that. Right? Oh, they're two and zero. They're going to go eighty two and zero. Like that. You know, nobody thinks they're really going to go eighty two and zero, but you have a lot of fun with it. And it, there's this weird sort of thing right now where it feels like tomorrow. Right? If they win tomorrow and they're five and two and they've already beaten three sort of presumptive Eastern Conference playoff teams then you feel really good. And if they lose their four and three, and oh, we've already lost twice to the Cavs and what's going on in the defense game. So you have these like wild swings from game to game early in the season that are part of the fun of being a fan, but you take half a step back and you're like, I know none of this really matters, but um, that's sort of where, where I am right now. It's like, it you're just kind of having fun riding the ride of early season, gigantic swings and what your winning percentage is. Uh, and the big, I think the big things for the season is like, Jason Tatum looks really good. And if he looks really good, then that covers for a lot of different things with the team. Uh, and they have enough depth where on any given night, you can sort of count on at least one of the three main guards having a good night and Jalen scoring has been there. And, and so the, your, your concerns are left in the front court and you sort of look at those and say, well, Rob will come back and they'll make a trade. And at some point and you'll feel better about things. And, and I think all of that is, I don't know. That's basically what I thought the early part of the season was going to be like, um, particularly after after Missoula came out and, and said openly, like, we're going to focus more on offense this year, uh, or at least in the early part of the season. And they certainly have, and it's made for fun games. Um, I wish they had won that first Cleveland game. But other than that, like, it's, it's been, a I think, a solid start to the season. And there's no reason to, to look at what's going on and be like, oh, boy, they're in trouble with their coaching situation. It seems like it's fine. Yeah, the, I mean, the Tatum line for the season, 55% shooting, or closer to 56, excuse me, um, 41% from three, 30 points per game. I mean, this is, you, you wonder just, you know, obviously the next step he had to take this year is, you know, actually getting into an MVP conversation. And this is, he's there right now if he can sustain anything close to this um, for the full campaign. But to be honest, like other, you know, like you said, the, the Cavs loss was kind of, was very ugly. And, you know, you, that was the first time there was some second guessing of what was going on there for Missoula in terms of late game situations and lamps and stuff that, but again, that's, that's growing pains. That's figuring out who you want to go with, who you want to trust in certain spots for a rookie head coach. So it's, it's really hard to, to knock that much at all. But for me, like the, the pros for throughout the rest of the team really outweigh the cons in terms of like, Sam Hauser can really shoot and that's translated and Grant Williams, like it's just not missing shots, period. And yeah, Marcus Smart is off to a slow start, but that's like, they're, they're overcoming it and everyone else is hitting threes at an incredible rate. So when you, you throw all that in together with the fact they still have, you know, the ammunition to, to make a trade or two. And it looks like Missoula is getting to like the lamps that, that work best coming off the bench here by, you know, Cornette kind of, getting at least establishing it looks like a little bit more of a role as the backup center, which I think everyone kind of expected to be the case after the summer there. Like that's, it's all good, you know, promising signs for a four and two start, which has been, you know, up and down in some of these games. Yeah. I, we may have won that, that Cav games, Cav game as well. If, uh, if Grant had missed that ref. That's a, um, right. <laughs> that's a good point. It's a very tough uh, game for him to miss. Yeah. Not a great one. Um, and you know, like, right. It's early in the season. You're down 
Gallinari was sort of feels like he's not on the team because he's never played for the team. And because we know he's out for the entire season, right. but you're down three front court guys against the team that starts, you know, one, one all-star and one future all-star in, in their front court. And it just wasn't great. And some things went off there, but like, you're going to have games like that. It's a regular season. It is what it is. I think the Cavs are really good. And the Cavs, I, I said it even before the game, I think the, the Cavs may very well finish with a better regular season record than the Celtics because of the Celtics being behind the eight ball on injuries and, We'll see how all that goes. I, I would obviously favor the Celtics in a playoff series with their experience there, but the Cavs could, might end up being just a really good regular season team and to lose to them may at the end of the year be like, yeah, you know, whatever it happened, both teams had injuries and it was a weird kind of game. Uh, and the Bulls game, I just sort of throw away as like, that, whatever, like games like that happen sometimes. You're just like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Third game in four nights. Like, they're, yeah, I they're mean, fall apart for one of like those. It was just an insane thing. We had one of those last year early in the year happen to be against the same team. I don't think like the Bulls have the Celtics number or anything like that. I just think they had a weird, you know, it's a bizarre game that happens in the regular season. But in general, yeah, I mean, the shape of the team looks looks good. The The problems with the bench seem to be resolved and, you know, basically by just being like, well, what if we just score a million points off the bench? Uh, and what if we don't worry about any of the defensive stuff on the bench? And it's just like Brogdon, Hauser, and Grant Williams. And it's like one guy who always gets to the rim and two guys who never miss from three. And it's like, that's a pretty good way to run a bench. Um, so I think that's all been good. And like you said, Cornette, Vonley was a nice story making the team his first game against the 76ers. He played well, but like, he's just a very limited player. Cornette is as well. Uh, in some ways, he's just kind of bigger. Um, so I think both of them will have their moments during the year up until Rob comes back. And then those moments will get, you know, will get smaller. They may still make a move. Uh, I think at this point, you know, it's just, you have to have somebody willing to trade with you. And there aren't a lot of teams that are looking to move good players at this point who would, who would be worth anything to the team in the long term because you know, whoever you get at that position is, is eventually going to be a backup. So you're not going to overpay to, you know, pull somebody's starting center so that you can have them be a backup in the second half of the year and give up more first round picks or something like that. So you just kind of have to ride with it right now and say, there's going to be a couple of nights where you feel bad and it hurts because the, you look at it and go, boy, if we had Rob, we would have won that game, but you don't, it is what it is. Um, and if they, you know, if Jalen and Jason, they're scoring 25, 30 points a night, every single night, both of them together, then that'll carry you through the first half of the year. And, and then in the second half of the year, you try to work you know work the defense back to the level that it was last year or that may be impossible but you know too higher up in the league than, than where they're going to be at that point and if you do that then you get to where you want to be which is a top really a top five offense and a top five defense in the second half of the season um, and that's a long way away but like this is the process right this is how the season begins and to me the only real concern to, to this point I mean, I guess I have a couple of things that we can talk through as like minor concerns, things that I'm sort of watching. But mm -hmm. in general, I think it's been a, you know, a totally fine and generally positive start to the season. And now, like we said, another little cloud that was out there gets removed, it seems, and uh, onward and upward. Other random thoughts here. Poor Peyton Pritchard, number one. Yeah. I think that's he's only played three games, I think 16, 17 minutes total. I mean, Blake Griffin has played more than him which when you, for a team that's already going small is, um, you know, I guess it's, a lot of that goes to the fact that Grant was out for a game and, you know, Joe Mazzullo is experimenting here, but it's clear that they're not going to go super small off the bench again. And Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White are better than Peyton Pritchard. And that's just going to be a tough pill for him to swallow for, you know, however long he's here. And it might, you know, I assume he's going to be, you know, discussed in trades at some point, but there's certainly no slam dunk that he gets moved since he's still on a really good deal through next year. 
and that depth could come in handy down the road. Yeah, and, and I mean, you are one injury, one whatever, one week-long absence away from him having uh, a role to, to play again. Um, and if you want to talk about some of the, the concerns that I have, like one of the concerns that I have is that Brogdon's defense has been pretty rough. Uh, particularly and it's rebounding <laughs> yeah particularly on ball it's been it's been bad uh and you could make an argument that like you could lean all the way in on that sort of shooting heavy bench and say that peyton pritchard's on ball defense is not terrible particularly against backup point guards and that you could say like listen we're gonna play like we're gonna play pritchard brogdon uh hauser and grant williams together with the center and just be like what like who's gonna stop that from scoring scoring a ton and that would let you cut back on some minutes for probably for Derek White would be the guy who would be on there otherwise, but also a little bit for smart and sort of balance some things out. And there will be times during the year where he will play more if he stays on the team. I agree that he's an obvious candidate to be traded at this point. Um, but there will be, you know, smart's going to pick up injuries. He always does. Every Brogdon will probably pick up injuries and, and those opportunities will arise for him to play. But I think you could also potentially find your way into the rotation on certain nights against certain teams with just sort of leaning in, like I said, to that offense and shooting idea off the bench. Uh, but it's not an easy situation for him right now. He's obviously a very confident person in his own abilities. And I'm sure he's feeling like, you know, boy, I was playing in the playoffs last year and now I'm not even in the rotation. And my, my next contract is coming up before too long. And I don't want to be viewed as a fourth guard or fourth point guard, even uh, not even a fourth guard. And, and so it must be very frustrating for him at this point. And you just hope that he is able to sort of keep his head up and right. keep that confidence because there will be times when they, when they do call on him. Um, like I said, assuming he doesn't get traded, imminently right and one thing on that too you brought smarts playing 34 minutes a game right now yeah like he shouldn't be like you play Payne Pritchard for 10 minutes and take those minutes from smart like because he gets hurt a lot and there are games where you could easily justify closing with white and brogdon the the Cavs game on friday night being one of them when they like the Cavs defense was just like leave smart wide open when he's having a bad shooting night and smarts like okay and you just like right and so he wasn't stopping, and obviously Mitchell and Levert were eating him up too on the other end, like everyone else on the team. So that was a night where like, you have to, you should like lean into your bench and lean into a guy like Pritchard saying, okay, if we're going to win this game for offense, let's put a guy out there we know that can make those shots. And so that's a situation I hope over the course of the, the year here, they, they realize that there's a pretty easy path to play Pritchard in these games, and that also – is to the benefit of guys like Smart, Brown, and Tatum. We're not running them into the ground. Like, it was obviously part of the plan this year, too. And there's also some talk that I guess Smart may not be 100%. Already. I don't know what the whole injury is. Right, he's got a, yeah, he's talking about that, a groin but... situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can tell and he's I not mean, moving great. Like, he's shooting, we, we highlighted Tatum's uh, shooting line. Like, Marcus is shooting 33-22 and... 52, 53%, whatever. What is he from from free throw right now? I don't know. Oh, no, his free throw is good. His free throws throws have been good. But yeah, he's shooting under 33% from the field total. Not great. (laughs) Shooting, you know, he's taking six threes a game and he's shooting 22%. Like the the shot has been bad. The defense has not been up to its stellar standards of of the past. So if he is carrying a groin injury or anything else, then that would sort of make sense. Uh, And so to be able to cut down his minutes and shift some minutes around. But like I, like I said, like that stuff will kind of happen naturally because guys will miss games or because you'll just find a night when it's like, I'm going to put Peyton Pritchard in for five minutes here in the second half or in the second quarter. And he makes a couple threes and you're like, ah, well, we're going to ride him a little bit and see what happens. Like, you you know, guys come in and out of the rotation. It it does happen. Uh, It's just difficult for him because you have like three established veteran, well-paid players ahead of him. 
Uh, and so you end up going pretty small if you play him with those guys. But I do think, like I said, against bench units, against other teams' bench units, most nights, there are some teams that are, you can't really do this against, but like most of the time, it's the middle of the regular season. Both teams have four guys off the bench out there. Like you can throw Pritchard and another guard out there and be totally fine and, and also have like a ton, a ton, a ton of shooting out there um, that I'm sure would work would work perfectly well. Uh, so that's all fine. I mean, my other, my the, I think the my major concern to this point is not a real big concern, but it's basically like Al Horford's activity level. So I, maybe that would be the other place that you would want to talk about. Yeah. I think he's probably just pacing himself coming off last season, coming out, you know, with, with how his age, like, I don't think that he fell off a cliff in the couple of months between when he was killing it in the playoffs and now, um, but he has noticeably been less active, particularly on the defensive end than, than he has been, uh, than he was last year, really at any time in his career. I don't think he has a steal yet on the year. Maybe he got no. one in the last game. I'm not sure. He does um, not not really any block shots after setting a, a basically a career high in like block rate last year. Um, so he's been a lot less active on that end. Uh, so I think that's probably the, the number one concern. Also the rebounding has been terrible in total, you know, and he's his lack of rebounding as a center. He's never been a great rebounder for the position. So that's sort of my, my other fear or my other concern in terms of all that. But like I said, I think it's probably just that he's pacing himself and he was better last game. Do you think about starting Cornette next to him, like down the road, just to take the wear and tear yeah. off him a little bit? Like they I, seem I'm pretty mostly... committed to what they are. But I mean, it would make so much sense because of how well they were last year. You would actually put Cornette in Horford's role and probably put Horford in in Rob Williams's role as sort of a right. rover uses intelligence, get him back to blocking some some shots as more of a help defender, all that kind of thing. Like I think that would be would be reasonable. Uh, if you're talking about getting Peyton Pritchard into the rotation, you know, you can't do both. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. They, 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 Bye-bye to Pritchard. For, yeah. It would be, yeah. you know, a tough squeeze for there for sure. But yeah, I wonder, I agree with you in terms of horror, you in against early in terms of the concern there, but I do, you know, he is, you know, for a 36 year old of the grind of, you know, pretty much playing only center for whatever the first 30, 40 games of the year here before Rob Williams comes back, you wonder, if you're better off, you know, just hiding that and you can address some of the rebounding concerns by just starting another big next to him. But if they're embracing offense, obviously over the defense, then it's hard to argue. I mean, White's shot has been great and, you know, he's that, you know, small ball strength has been up and down, but I think that's, it's clearly a, a strong case for that too. Yeah. I mean, even when, if they go back to the defensive system that they were playing last year with such success, when Rob does come back, even then, like Al was still playing center in the sort of traditional way we think of it, that he was guarding the post-up guys, things like that. So that Rob right. could, you know, just be like roving off of, off of less threatening wings and things like that. So it, right. There is a lot of wear and tear on the body at, at his age. And that's why I think that he's probably intelligently taking it easy here, but I don't know that I doesn't call me up and tell me I was feeling after every game. <laughs> Uh, so I don't, I don't really, I can't say for certain, um, there's certainly some of my, the, the sort of analytics heavy people who I follow and interact with on Twitter are sort of wondering like, Hmm, uh, is this, is, is he sort of running into a cliff here? And I've been sort of saying, I don't think so. I think there's enough indications in watching the games that really it is just like, I'm not going to go for this. I'm not going to go, you know, throwing my body around here five games into the year. Um, but until he does otherwise and starts playing up to the level that we've seen in the past, you can't say for certain that he will return to that. I just think that it's likely that he will. Uh, but like I said, I, you know, you, I think that the season has started basically as you would expect it to. And I don't have any like big concerns. It's just like, yeah, hopefully Al Horford, you know, gets, gets his, his wind back. And, and I would like it if Malcolm Brogdon's point of attack 
defense was a little better and Smart's shooting picked up if he's not injured. And if he is, then then he gets healthy. Like it's that kind of stuff at this point. It's, and then the positives are very positive. Like <laughs> the biggest positives are like Tatum and Brown killing it. Sam Hauser never missing. Like you said, Grant Williams literally is shooting like 70% from three. It's the, you know, Hauser, I don't, Hauser could take any, any three. And I'd be like, that's going in. He I feel like they should play him more. He yeah. Play more. Right. Like I looked at like, there are a couple, I think again, the Cleveland game, like he barely played that second half. I'm like, yeah, no, he should, like he needs to play every game, a decent, more. decent minutes, every single game. Yeah, teams are going to be terrified of him before two. Right. And his defense has not been great, but fine. it's not been terrible. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Like against bench units, like get, keep him out there. Um, it's going to be fascinating coming up, though. And you know, you, we were talking about out there too. It's a, the schedule gets really, really busy in a hurry here. Um, they've got back to backs coming up this weekend and next weekend. I don't think they have two days off in a row until like December, essentially. Um, so I assume the, the Al Horford no back-to-back plan is going to stay in effect, um, especially since these are like well, home road back-to-backs. But that's not the plan, according that's to Al. not the plan. Not the plan, <laughs> okay. Which I, <laughs> which I appreciate. Wink, it's nudge, like Al, Al is like, I'm not going to say I don't <laughs> want to play games. It's just like everyone's like, what do you think? I was like, yeah, no, I want to rest. Like, no, he obviously doesn't want to rest, but they're going to he's going to do what he's told. Um, when it comes to that stuff. So, but this will get interesting in a hurry here. And like, we should, the minutes for these bench guys should, I assume, go up a bit here with Al missing some of these games. And then you'd hope that they'd take the foot off the gas from Marcus and, you know, Jason and, and Jane a little bit from a, from a distant endurance standpoint um, to make it through all this, all these. Um, but this will be the schedule. Like the, the, the level of competition is very, manageable here but it's just it's just a lot of games which i guess is ideal um if you have to choose one or another yeah that, i mean that's and that's where carrying two injured players to begin with is a challenge and like we said we saw as soon as grant got suspended for a game now you're carrying three injured or three guys who are unavailable all at a similar position and it's like okay this starts to to become more difficult so if you're resting Horford on back-to-backs and again he similar position right you're talking about all front court guys here um it, they can much more easily because you have Peyton Pritchard sitting right there, whether, okay, we want to sit Marcus for two weeks so that he can get right. Um, I think you could handle that pretty in a pretty straightforward manner, but anytime you lose another one of either Grant or Al, it's like, okay, we really do have to play Cornette a lot now or Vonley. And it's, uh, that's a little less comfortable. Uh, you could again, like lean way the other direction and be like Sam Hauser power forward. We're going to play 25 minutes tonight and we're just going to shoot the shit out of the ball. And I actually am totally fine with that at this point in the season. I wouldn't want to see it in the playoffs, but like right. in November, great. You might as well try it. If we score point. 140, like I don't care. It's at least fun. Um, because watching Cornette and Bonley and Blake Griffin, I understand that you need to have bigs out there, but sometimes it's kind of fun to just be like, let's let's get to track me here and if you're sitting guys anyway who cares right like let's whether or not they win whether they win 50 games or 60 games this year there's people out there who who, like gamblers who care about it but like i thought coming into the year before we knew the extent of rob's injury that this was going to be a really really good regular season team and as soon as that came out i was like oh okay well they're just gonna take their foot off the gas anyway so i don't really care about like the exact number of wins they get so there's some amount of like let's screw around and see what you know i want to see some fun stuff here um, and if it means getting Al the appropriate rest and and he's able to manage his way through the season, then then all the better. Because um, like I said, that, yes, you're kind of they're not a perfect team right now. They're they're not six and zero and rolling over everybody. Uh, but the things that I'm looking at in terms of negatives are not like like I said, they're relatively 
uh, understandable at least thing. So uh, if they have some games here where they have to to do the Greg Popovich strategy of resting half the team on on one night just to sort of let that game go, then they that's also an, you know a possibility instead of just trying to pick a game for Al and a game for Marcus here and there and threatening that you lose both games, they may just sort of say like, I mentioned this a couple of times last year and they never end up doing it where there might just be a couple of games here where you pick and you're like, everybody sits, <laughs> screw <laughs> this game. Um, but they will have to make some decisions here this month with, like you said, the schedule and the health situation that they start the year with. Yeah, that's getting to the, these guys to agree to that for any of these games will probably be their biggest challenge since, you know, Tatum Brown, these guys smart, obviously they all want to play, you know, they don't like the sick games out, but that it's, it's going to happen. Um, at least with certainly with smart with this injury in Horford and we'll see what else pops up here. We haven't gotten to the most important question here to wrap up. Um, are you in or out on Luke Cornett contest from the paint? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. I don't... <laughs> there was somebody else who had like weird, who was it a couple who in the past who had funny, con... a funny way of contesting that we all talked about for a while. Now I got to think about it. Oh, I can't even remember that now. Um, How long ago? No, it was recent. Recent. Who did like flyby? Who did the big flyby contests on threes? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I can't even tell you. My mind's yeah. I'd have to look it up, but hey, whatever. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the Al Horford flinch in the right. free throws. Everybody's you know, it's a long season. You got out there for a long time. You come up with your own little little games you play with your. <laughs> it's, uh, we laugh, but he is like seventeen feet tall, so maybe he'll block one one of these days. And somebody have a particularly line drive shot that he could swat from eight <laughs> feet away. Rob's probably sitting there looking at it being like, with my leaping ability. Yeah, like, wait a second. <laughs> Where's the peak of the ball? I think I could, I think I could high point a three and block it. So maybe, maybe we'll give some ideas. Um, I, yeah, I mean, the, the Cornet experience, I'm sure will be, um, there will be fans who have a lot of fun with it. There will be nights when it is infuriating. I'm still waiting for him to have the day where he makes three threes in the first half, and we can and the unicornet comes back out because uh, you know just by volume if he if he takes them. He's afraid of, he was afraid to shoot the other yeah, night. Yeah, but he then he hit one though, so we'll see if he yeah. loosens up though. So that'll be the. Uh, That's the what I mean. It'll be a, it'll be a totally out of the blue game where it's like, does he have three threes in the last six minutes? Like, what <laughs> the hell's happening here? Uh, it, it, it'll it'll happen just by how he made the team in the or how he stayed in the team in the first place. Got got them to dump Mo Wagner over him. When um, he hit those threes in OKC. Plus, but, he's 17 feet tall. So. <laughs> it all helps. Um, all right. I'll put a bow on this one. Um, should be an interesting stretch coming up here with the Cavs Wednesday, Bulls Friday, and then uh, a lot of very busy, a lot of home games in November with a three-game road trip mixed in. I might so. go to a game. I might go to a game Ooh. again this year. I haven't been to a game in a couple of years because of COVID and everything. I was thinking about whether or not I want to actually go to a game this year. <laughs> we'll be, we'll oh, be saving a, a, a seat for you on Press Row. Um, all right. Well, breaking, Brian might go to a game. Stay tuned for that. We'll have him back on after that game for a full report uh, later this month, maybe. But make sure you're following him at DangerCart on Twitter. I'm at Brian T. Rob. Make sure you're... You rate, review, subscribe to the winning plays here as we get going. Ryan, we actually might have a really fun pod later this week, too. Perhaps a, a little full reunion pod later this week. So stay tuned for that, people. Um, Very exciting. With the, uh, with the Mr. The superstar, Mike, with superstar Mike Pina um, back in the folder fridge. So stay tuned for that um, later this week. And thanks for listening. Now, Ryan, parting thought. 
what do they win? Do they beat Cleveland? Do they put everyone's fears to rest tomorrow night? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> can't doubt them. If they're down two nothing one minute into the game, I'll be like, oh, I can't believe we're gonna lose this game. But no, at the moment I'm fully confident that we'll win. You hear it first. Um, all right, stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys later this week.